0: underwritten by golden rule insurance company they offer flexible budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals get more cool facts about united healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com
1: the TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by muck delivery bringing you the food you love muck delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door no matter the result You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Albion analysis with me chris Hall and him Pete George. A little bit of an unusual pod tonight um and uh, uh, entirely my fault um due to due to my uh, birthday celebrations i I turn forty and I know i don't hear uh, sound or or look a day of it I'm sure you're all you're all saying the same thing um we are recording very very swiftly after the final whistle, which is unusual for us we we don't normally for the purposes of this pod, it is very data driven. It is very sort of like, uh, numbers driven. So normally we give ourselves not only a, a time, a little bit of time to do the research, which actually, to be fair, we've sat and done in the, uh, in the sort of 45 minutes since the game finished, but also, So that we don't have too much of an emotional response to the game that we kind of look at it in the cold light of day. So you might get a little bit more of that today. But um, generally speaking, hopefully we'll still be able to take a fairly considered look at the game. Um, of course, uh, this podcast is supported by Manscaped. Um, join over seven million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Um, and they've got an exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code up the baggies. That's at manscaped.com. So you can't say fairer than that. And Pete, we're very fortunate to have them on board, which is nice because. I we we deal in tangibles on this podcast. We tend to deal in tangibles. We tend to deal in stuff that you can see, that you could know is there. Numbers, numbers, they don't lie. Well, they do, but um, but but as long as you interpret them properly, they don't lie. But I say we're fortunate to have Manscaped on board. It's about the only bit of fortune we've uh, we've had tonight because I can't help feeling as we come away from that game against Watford tonight that we do really didn't have the rub of the green. I mean, OK, people will say your second equaliser is offside. Yes, yep, yeah, yeah, it is. I, I, I wholeheartedly admit that. But that's one goal. My goodness me, for three goals, the ball has bounced perfectly for them. And that's not taking away from some of the slightly amateur hour defending, which we will come to later on in the pod. But just to just to kick us off, Pete, as I say, we we deal very much in the tangible things on this podcast. But I feel like the intangible of the fo- of fortune was not in our favour this evening.
0: No, you're right. The ball kept seem to be just dropping to them in perfect positions and we just seem to struggle. Um in like the chaotic moments when we we're defending. Um and they kept, you know, getting to the second ball, and and well, that's how they got a couple of the goals, really, isn't it? And obviously, the big deflection off Eric Peters. There's not much he can do about that, and absolutely nothing that Griffiths can do behind him. Um, so yeah, I think I think they had the rub of the green, um, but I mean, looking purely at the second half performance from Albion, that was very promising, despite a, a pretty pretty dire performance in the first half. But after the changes. After the changes at halftime, that's pretty promising. So, I don't think it's all doom and gloom from tonight.
1: It was chalk and cheese, wasn't it tonight, Pete? I mean, you, you know, you're almost analysing two different games, aren't you? The first and the second half. Let's look. Let, let's start at the beginning, as every uh, as every great book does, and let's let's look at the first half we've spent very little time criticizing carlos corbran on this podcast for very obvious reasons because he doesn't deserve much criticism and he is a much wiser man than you or i when it comes to football matters and we both accept that that being said he's got that all sorts of wrong in that first half hasn't he and i can't help uh, i I'd, I'd also like to make a retraction if i may that i said after the coventry game i really like jed wallace in the 10 um i 'm saying Carlos corbrand's got something wrong tonight. I think I got something dead wrong that night. everything i 've seen of Wallace in that ten slot since that game has not inspired me in the in the slightest i thought he i mean everyone was awful against Birmingham. I thought he struggled against Burnley and when you look at the data around it, Pete he gets and i thought he was I thought he was dreadful first half tonight. And when you look at the data around it, Pete, he gets dispossessed so much in that 10 position. He clearly thinks he has more time than he does because he obviously gets more time out on the right hand side than he does in the 10. And you look at Albion's numbers for being dispossessed and... I, I, it's it's really quite stark. We were dispossessed 11 times, or we lost the ball 11 times over the whole game. Nine of them were in the first half, and five of those were Jed Wallace. So it's, it's a bad fit, and I can't help feeling that Corbran, in the last couple of games... And this is not a criticism of Mark Albright because I think he's a very, very good footballer and he'll be a good asset to our team. But I can't help he has a feeling that Corbran has made the team worse to accommodate Mark Albright. And what do you think?
0: Yeah, like you say, it's obviously very different for Wallace playing centrally because you're kind of playing when you're receiving the ball. There's like a, well, the full radius, 360 degrees of where players can be pressing you from and trying to tell you from so you've got to be a lot more aware of that compared to if you are receiving it on the on the sideline you know that sideline cuts off half of that so you've only got one hundred and eighty degrees so it's very different from and yeah I think he's better out wide um, that's
1: really interesting i pete i've never I've never actually thought of the position like that, but as you say peripherals you've got you've you've literally got fifty percent more of your body. That you or fifty percent more of the pitch you need to defend the ball when you're in the central position. I, I know it's it seems blindingly obvious, but I never thought of the positions like that in terms of how much more difficult it suddenly becomes for a player when they're moved from the wing to the to to, to the central position.
0: Yeah, and it's I mean in a similar way, it's why 4 fullbacks are often uh, used as like pressing triggers. Because you can use that sideline as an extra defender that you know they can't go that way if you try and press them. But yeah, for Wallace, it's very different. Um, it's a different set of skills that you need, obviously. And it's not naturally, that's not naturally his position. I think you can tell that. Um, and it's probably just like you say, trying to accommodate for Mark or Brighton, um, which maybe doesn't benefit the team on the whole. Um, and I think for Swift as well. I think he's better when he's able to drift out to that left position rather than being started out there.
1: That's Um, the other thing. He's not a wide left player, is he, at all?
0: Well, I think that's where he's... I think that area of the pitch is where he's most comfortable a lot of the time, but I think he's better when he's not the player that has to occupy that position and he's kind of allowed yeah, to drift
1: because because it, 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 he's not what I mean by that is he's not a chalk on your boots he's also not a guy who you really want covering the fullback either and that's not saying he can't do it because I actually think he's done quite a good job at that uh, I think back to Burnley and I thought it was a mistake bringing him off because I thought he did an excellent job covering his fullback but I just think it takes away so much from Swift's game when he's made to do those kind of things
0: and it limits kind of the passes he can receive off the centre backs and the central midfielders, um which is one of his strengths compared to the rest of the squad. So and then it's I mean it's in a similar way we like to get those overloads out wide. So when Swift's in the ten he can drift out to the left and you know help Diangana and Townsend and we can create that three V two. And on the other side we can if we've got Wallace as the as the wide man um, and Malumbi in midfield, then Mulumbi kind of gets out there as well and supports Wallace and Furlong and creates a 3v2 out there, which um, we we kind of struggled to create those overloads with chalaba and Albrighton in the lineup. I think chalaba just seemed to, I don't know if he was told to be, stay more central and be more disciplined in his position there, but he definitely supported the, the winger a lot less than Malumbi did when he came on, and what Malumbi usually does. Um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, I said to you at half son, time that we need to get Malumbi on for one of Chalabra or Yukushlu And um, I think that was kind of obvious for everyone to see that we needed the energy and um, both defensively and to get forward and support the attacking players.
1: I mean, for me, uh, and I, I completely agreed with that, with that when you sent that to me at half time. And uh, for me, Chalaber was awful. He I, I really was. And that, and when I talk about Corbran getting the team wrong, that was the other thing that he got wrong was, was bringing Chalaber in. I mean, I, I just, I had a look at his, his data, Pete. 67% pass completion rate which is not good at all nine passes from central midfield in 45 minutes deeply unimpressive i mean he even had less touches than dk who played 10 less minutes than him so it it didn't look good and and there was uh, there was there was one as well where um, it was the chance which Griffiths had to save with his leg, which has all come from, from from Chalabur just dwelling on the ball and taking too long and I felt he did that he He did that a number of times during the game, not necessarily to the point where he 's dispossessed. I think he was only dispossessed once in the game, which was that particular occasion, but I just thought to the point where he didn 't make passes that he should be making, hence the very very low pass completion rate. I, I thought he looked lethargic. I thought he looked off the pace. I thought he looked like a player who hasn't played a lot of football, which I know is what he is. But for me, that's on Corbran a little bit that, that maybe you've got to look at a guy like that and go away to Watford in a game like we had, we had tonight. You just don't pick somebody like Nathaniel Chalabar who's had so little football over the last sort of six to nine months in a game in in a game that's going to be fairly it's going to be won and lost in the midfield and let's let's be let's be fair about it and we'll come on to talk about the much much more positive aspect of our night which was the second half but the reality is the reason that we go away with nil pois is because of the first half, and because Corbran picked the wrong team, and because we largely let ha- let ourselves down in that first forty-five minutes. Because there is no way on this earth, even with some of the some of the defensive errors that we still made in the second half, that if we play like we did in the second half for for ninety minutes, that we go away with nothing.
0: Yeah, I wonder if picking Chalaba was kind of, you know, that he's going to be a bit more play centrally and be a bit closer to Yacuzla and maybe to try and cut off the areas that Pedro likes to drop in to receive the ball because apart from Pedro and Davis dropping in a bit in the second half, they kind of just went around our um, block, if you like, and, and kind of used the wide areas to get forward. So I think we almost overcompensated for Pedro being in there and in fact, when Molumbe came on he did a much better job and um got a lot tighter to him and actually kinda of cut him off a bit better despite it only being um maybe like on paper looking like we'd got less cover against him.
1: And and kicked him a bit, Pete. And it might sound a silly thing, but he's a player that gets wound up and uh, and and you do need that a little bit. That I just didn't think I just didn't think Chalaber bothered him. I didn't think Chalaber got into got into his space and made his life Uncomfortable, Mulumbi As soon as he came on, first thing, you know, he's he's done that. He's got the he's got the one where he's gone up for the header, and he's. I they made more of it on Sky than I thought was necessary. Where he catches him with the arm, but nonetheless, it's it, it's Malumby challenging with him, and eventually, Mullumbi did get booked for a challenge on him.
0: Yeah, and I think Yacobi um, didn't really get close to him either in the first half, and he looked a lot better in the second half when he had Mullumbi alongside him. I think he was doing more work for cutting off. Keenan Davis but nonetheless he was he looked better and um, I don't know if he just needs that little bit of extra energy next to him because he's not the quickest of players so when you've got Molumbi next to you you know he's there to help you and maybe pick up second balls that drop from your first challenge so well I think that in the next game against Borough um, Molumbi's got to start next to you because I don't think we can play there again yet
1: now, I was going to say, do do you almost write this off as a failed experiment? Because that's two games in a row now, where we we've we've started with Wallace in the ten. We've started with chalibur as the, the the backup to um uh, uh, sorry, chalibur alongside Yukoslu, and in both games we've brought on Jason Malumby and he's transformed the game. He's scored one and he's assisted one. And okay. I, I Admittedly, I've got to caveat it with the fact that he gave the ball away against Blackburn for the equaliser, which is a horrible lazy pass. And, and, and it is, it's bad, bad defending. And, you know, I saw on the analysis that they, that, that to a certain extent, they were, they were trying to pin one of the goals on him tonight. I'm not entirely sure I agree with that, but nonetheless, there's an argument there to do that. But, even so, he brings so much energy to it, and also to a similar extent, whilst Grady Dean and Garner didn't really impact the game when he came on tonight against Watford, he certainly impacted the game against Blackburn, and again it was it was going back to a slightly more familiar shape that that transformed the game against Blackburn. And going back to that for more familiar shape tonight, I thought helped transform the game. Grady himself was not a big player in that. He was uh, disappointing tonight. One or two little moments, but I, I thought he spent far too much time looking for free kicks that he was never going to get this evening. But nonetheless, I, I just think we've had so much success under Corbran with... Something that is largely tried and tested at this point, Malumbi and Yucoslu in the middle, Swift quite often in a 10, Wallace out wide, it's been Phillips out on the left, but then, you know, maybe Grady as 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 the other wide man whilst Phillips is out, and one of DK or Brandon Thomas Asante through the middle. And I can't, Pete, I can't help feeling, if it ain't broke, don't fix it.
0: Yeah, and um, that was kind of the point that I was going to get to as well. That we kind of we've come away from what has been a winning formula. Um, that shape when we got Ukusho and Malumbi, and Swift playing as the the central of the three attacking midfielders, it allows us to when we're attacking we get those as I mentioned earlier the overloads in the wide areas. Malumbi can uh, drift wide right and support Wallace and and um, Furlong and we get quite a bit of down there especially with Wallace and um, I mean if you think back to the Reading game it was Molumby that, that ended up putting the cross into DK when we scored um, and then on the left it's it's in a similar way it's Swift that drifts out there to support the wide man that um what has been Phillips but it's probably going to be Deangana going forward in Townsend and think... It
1: seems to me like Pete when Jason Molumby is on the pitch whether positively or negatively he impacts every game. You know, you, I talk about him. He, he scores the goal against Blackburn, then gives the ball away. He's involved in one of the Watford goals tonight. He sets up, uh, Jed Wallace, as you say, puts the ball in for the, for the goal uh, against Reading. He's, he's scrambled one in against Luton. I think it's a, I think it's a real compliment to the bloke and, and how he, he is in the game that, he is in and around all the key moments in a game, even if he doesn't necessarily always prevent them and you, you maybe pin a goal on him from time to time. He's in games. You know he's in games. My problem with Chalabar tonight is until he gets the ball n- nicked off him, do you even know he's there?
0: Yeah, and I think, to be fair to Molumbi it, it was two assists tonight for the Albin goals. so um, not that you really count the first one as much, but they all count the same, don't they? So... I think he doesn't maybe get as much credit as he deserves, um, in the way that he helps us attack. Um, even I think from he's... his
1: manager, perhaps at this point,
0: maybe because I think he's often seen as just this really energetic, like defensive midfielder that's going to, um, you know, fly around the pitch and get stuck in and make challenges. But I think that energy he uses really well to, to support the attacks and. Well, I think it was evidenced tonight when we actually start to look like we're going to create chances after he came on the pitch. Maybe not directly because of him, but the areas that he gets into and the way he pulls defenders about and supports his teammates. Um I think has a has a big impact on us when we're trying to attack. And he's got the energy to, to get back in as well when we need him defensively. So yeah, I think he's a really important player and we we massively missed him in the first half today.
1: And hopefully that's recognised by Corbrand. It certainly seemed to be in his post-match comments. I've just I've just watched his post-match interview and he the, uh, cup, cut, uh, picked a couple of quotes out from him. He said we gave 45 minutes away. He was very clear about that. And uh, you know, reiterating effectively what what I've said there that you know we lost the game in the first half. But then he went on to say in the first half we lacked energy and personality. Now there are two things that Jason Malumbi brings in spades. For me, Pete, I mean, I think you said it a few moments ago. He has to start against Middlesbrough. It sounds like the manager recognizes that. And for me, I I think you've you've just got to you've got to go back to basics, haven't you? And and, and it's got to be Dean Malumbi, Yukoslu, Swift in the ten, Wallace right hand side, and. Probably Brandon up front. Brandon or DK, whichever one he thinks is more appropriate. But the midfield has surely got to be those five players against Borough, hasn't it?
0: I would definitely say so. Um, and I know you said you weren't particularly impressed by Diangana tonight, but I thought he had quite a good game, to be honest. I thought he opened the opened it up quite nicely. Um, there was a couple of times that uh, he lost the ball, but they seemed to be getting really tight to him um, when he was trying to receive the ball, so... They made it quite difficult for him, but I think he, he worked well with, with Swift and, um, Townsend down that left hand side and, you know, almost created a couple of chances. Um, so I think it was, yeah, I'd, I'd say it was a good game for him. Nothing spectacular, but I think he, I'd say he's earned his place, um, in the starting eleven for the next game. So yeah, I, I can't really see how we'd start any other team than, than the one you just mentioned.
1: Interesting to see whether there's any questions over the defensive line as well, Pete. Because I mean, that w- I don't think he'll throw the baby out with the bathwater and start messing about with the back four. But that was a deeply uncharacteristically mistake-ridden performance tonight. I, 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 I do maintain what I said before that all three of their goals have a huge, huge element of fortune about them. However, that being said it's not to say we're not culpable because we are culpable on all three goals. We've made we've we've made mistakes. I mean particularly for me with the the first and the third one. Malumbi makes a bit of a mistake on the second one. As I say they were trying to pin it on him on sky. I I think it just kind of hits him I, you know, and falls so... Because the nobody anticipates the guy to completely scuff his shot. And it just hits Molumby and falls beautifully for Sar. The second goal is probably the one I have the least problems with in terms of defensively. But the first one, Connor Townsend waits for the ball to come to him and he gets robbed as a result. That's mistake number one. Mistake number two is just a pathetic clearance from the same player and then mistake number 3 is daro shape has got to have done his homework and got to know what keenan davis is all about and yet he gets pinned and rolled so easily and it's it it's a basic goal and then and and then the the third goal a guy who i actually think had, had a pretty good game all night in in eric peters Yes, there's a, it, it's unlucky. It's unlucky where the ball ends up going, but you still, he's so static with his feet. You've got to move your feet quicker than that. I just, over, over Corbrand's reign, Pete, we talked about how we, we, we'd had this run of clean sheets at home. That's a record since 1977. A lot of our success has been built on this defensive stability where we have been incredibly hard to break down. Whilst, as I say, Fortune favoured Watford tonight. We were anything but difficult to break down, and let's be honest about this. Credit where it's due, as well. By the way, you might you might pin some criticism on Griffiths for the 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 the, the equaliser against Blackburn, and that's fair dues. I don't think you can pin anything on him for any of the three goals tonight. The, the first one that it takes a deflection off Furlong right in front of him. I don't see what else he can do, and he has made two absolutely brilliant saves the one in the first half um, from davis with i think it was with his foot and then the one in the second half he makes from jao pedro with his chest i think he makes it with is stupendous so whilst i say there's there's a there's there's a lack of luck in terms of the goals we conceded and i stand by that if our, our defence have still given up some big, big chances where we've had to rely really heavily on our goalkeeper. And I just thought it was a really uncharacteristic display tonight, Pete, where we gave up a lot of big chances that you just don't see Albion sides giving up.
0: Yeah, well, in the second half, there's obviously the issue that we're chasing the game and we're trying to throw men forward. And Watford have got some excellent. But
1: most of play. those chances came at level, Pete, and Corbran actually talked about this post-match. He said, we didn't manage the minutes after the goals well. And most of the chances that I'm talking about actually came shortly uh, shortly after the goals at level.
0: Yeah, but there just seemed to be a lot of space for them to attack. Um, you know, and when you've got Davis and Tsar and Jao uh, Pedro that can attack big spaces so quickly and I mean, they're just quality players anyway, but it does make it difficult for the defenders. Um And, yeah, I mean, it is... Individually, they're some of the best attacking players in the championship. But, we, yeah, we did just seem to struggle against them quite a bit, especially in, like, one-on-one situations. And, yeah, I mean, if you get beat one-on-one, then it, you know, opens up all sorts of opportunities for the attacking team. So, I think that's largely where we struggled, obviously for the actual goals it was, you know, elements of bad luck um in there. I think if you want to really, you're probably looking too deeply at it, but for the second one, O'Shea seems to get bit, caught too central. If you look at the, you know, when they show the angle straight on, him and Eric Peters are like directly in line. O'Shea could do with being like a couple of feet to his right, um I'm just covering a bit more of the goal and helping the keeper out there. But as you say, Griffiths had a, you know, solid, good display, and I thought his distribution was really impressive as well. He seemed to be able to just, with his long passes seemed to be picking men out that were somehow just in big gaps of space.
1: He looked calmer, didn't he? Pete? He looked, he, it, it was almost, it was almost like he 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 got all the nerves out against Blackburn, and he did look nervous to me against Blackburn as any young lad making ma- making his debut for 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 his for his parent club surely would be but I thought he looked calmer tonight
0: Yeah no, I think that showed on the ball as well like I say his, his passing was really impressive especially his long passing um, and it's well it's promising because that's one of the things that um, Corbran seems to like to do is is have players that are comfortable in possession and and in many ways we, we like players in, like the central midfielders aren't the best um Players that passing the ball and receiving the ball in tight spaces. So, if you can have a keeper that can, you know, support that by distributing it long with pinpoint accuracy, then it's always going to be useful to help you get the pitch in that way.
1: Absolutely. And he had to be good because, as I say, we gave up big chances reflected in, in the XG. I know the XG is not everything and it doesn't take into account how fortunate, um, Watford were to have two, uh, the, 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 the first and second goals run for them. But in the end, Pete, I mean, Watford ended up with, uh, uh, 2.43 XG and we ended up with 1.56, which, you know, you take that on, on the face of it. And over the course, of, the course of the 90 minutes, what that basically says is 3-2 was the right score.
0: Yeah. Um, but then if you, you know, if you break that down into first and second half, 1.67 of that for Watford was in the first half, only 0.75 in the second half compared to our 1.29 in the second half. Um, so as I think most people will be able to see the second half display, we were probably the better team and I'm fortunate to, you know, concede two goals in that second half, but yeah, Watford probably deserved them in the first half. So. Over the course of the ninety minutes, Watford were obviously the better side, and we were largely to blame for that for the first forty-five minutes. That you know, as Corbran said, we we gave up. How worried are you by one win in
1: in five? Pete, I am seeing stuff on Twitter. I, I I actually put a tweet out. I think it was yesterday, basically saying people people need to not overreact. My personal opinion is, let's not overreact. We won nine in ten. We were never going to keep that up. Okay, we've won one in five, but. For me, in some of those games, when you look at things like the last minute goals against Burnley and against Blackburn, you look at tonight where that if that had finished 3-2 to us in the end, I don't think anybody would have said Albion have absolutely stolen that tonight. I think they'd have said Albion deserved that on their second half, half display. I just think we're the wrong side of the margins at the moment. I'm not terribly worried. We've obviously got Middlesbrough on Saturday, which is pro- is probably the last game you'd want while you're in this particular run, and it's, it almost certainly is going to be one win in six, because they are just that imperious at the moment. But nonetheless, after that, you've got Hull away, you've got H- Huddersfield at home, you've got Cardiff at home, you've got Wigan at home. N- my take, Pete, is if when we get into those the, those four games that I've just named, if we're not taking... 3 points from minimum to probably more likely at least 3 out of those 4 games i that's the point at which i start to panic i personally think that what we're seeing at the moment is one yes a little drop off in 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 performance levels without a shadow of a doubt but two a bit of natural variance where we were on the right end of so many tight wins earlier in Corbrand's reign, that it was never, ever going to continue. Three, the fact that, just plain and simply, our fixture list has got a lot harder. Um, And we, we won games against teams in the bottom half, and we've actually only dropped points against one team in the bottom half under Corbran, which is Birmingham, which is the worst we've played. And the one game where I do look at it and go, that's not variance. That's not um, that's not bad luck. That's not um, small margins. We were just absolutely blumming awful and deserved to get beat. And to be honest, probably could have got beaten by more. Um, but the rest of them I look at and I go, there was a lot of games earlier on in Corbran's reign that if... We'd been up against a better side, maybe they would have gone slightly the other way. But then equally, there's there's games recently, Burnley, Watford, Blackburn, that I look at and I go, so easily, so easily, that that, that could have been three points. You know, I mean, people will say, Burnley, what are you talking about? We were battered. Okay, but I, I thought we were relatively comfortable. Yukoslu doesn't go off for treatment. Is that a completely different game? I don't think at this point, with four points off the playoffs, with 14 games to play in the season, with eight of those 14 against teams that are currently in the bottom half of the league, I ain't pushing the panic button just yet. We we, we, get, we get the other side of um, Cardiff away and we're in a similar position to this. I'm... Smashing that panic button as hard as I possibly can, but not yet. Nowhere near yet.
0: I think the drop off in performances over the last couple of weeks is obviously a bit of a concern. But as you say, we've played some some very good sides in there, Um and the Birmingham game seemed to have been seemed to have been a you know a, a one off. So that's maybe not too much reason to concern. Be concerned. Um, and then obviously the second half against, against Watford is, is promising. And if we can replicate that performance for full 90 minutes in games, then, um, you know, I think we can, we'll, we'll be pretty happy coming the end of most games, but yeah, it's about getting to those levels and, and performing like that consistently. Um, and obviously you need your full squad to be able to do that as well. We can't just rely on a group of 11 players that are going to do that um, whatever way you use Chalibur and Old Brighton um, it needs to be effective and um, so far I think we've struggled with with performances when they've been in the starting line-up really so um, yeah I think we need to work work a way out how we're going to use them and still be threatening and solid at the back but I don't don't think it's a major concern at the minute. Um, Obviously, Middlesbrough is going to be a very, very tough game because they're just on fire and, well, one of the best teams in the league um, quite comfortably. So, uh, yeah, I think even a point out of that would be a a very good result just because of the way they're playing at the minute. But then after that, if we can put a run together and and form like we have done against teams that are in the bottom half of the division, then um, I can't see... A reason why we couldn't claw back the points and and end up in the the uh, playoff positions come the end of the season
1: because it, it's three wins in eight under Corbran uh, against teams in the in the top half of the the league uh, three three wins four uh, four defeats one draw but then. The flip side of that, as I say, Pete, is the the only team in the bottom half of the league that we've dropped points to, is is Birmingham. And if if you are taking these things as gospel that we're bad against teams in the top half of the league and uh, and good against teams in the bottom half of the league, well, we've got we we have fourteen games remaining. We've got six games against teams in the top half, and we've got um uh, and we've got eight games against the teams in the bottom half. So. To that extent, it is, I think it is relatively, I think it's relatively positive at the moment. Obviously, there's not a lot to be positive about after, after one win in five, but I think it's important that people don't lose their head. I think the other thing that is worth stating as well, I I just, there was again another little line out of, um, out of what Corbrand said post match. He said, um, we, we've learned some things tonight and it, to be honest it just reminded me a little bit that he isn't he, he isn't that far into his Albion management career he's still learning about this group of players he's learning about what he can what he can do with them where he can play them what he can get out of them he's certainly learning about Chalaba and Albrighton who he's only seen for a, for a few weeks and again I, th- I think Part of it is because we started so strongly. Had we had we won, not won nine out of ten, and uh, then we'd gone on this little run against generally the teams at the top of the league. I know one defeat was against Birmingham. I just don't think people have be losing their heads in the in the in the same way. I think it's almost worth reminding ourselves where Corbrand took us from. And where he's took us to, and that he massively overperformed. He massively overperformed. He he also said after the game that it's part of the championship. You have changes in momentum, and I think that's hugely important too. Look, do I uh, do I think this is a bit like you know last season where after we lost the momentum under Ishmael, we never regained it in any real way. No. I, I understand why people are scarred by what has happened in previous seasons, because obviously we, you know, we lost the momentum towards the end under Bilic and nearly, nearly lost promotion because of that. We then lost the momentum after the early portion under Ishmael and never got it back, and never got anywhere near the playoffs. And I'm, I imagine people are looking at one win in five and going. Oh, here we go again. You know, Albion flirt with the playoffs and then just go to pieces and bottle job their way down to 11th as a finish. Uh, correct me if you think I'm wrong here, Pete. I, I I just don't think that's what's happening here.
0: And obviously you've got to take the context of the games that we've just played. And I mean, Burnley are obviously just an incredible side. Um Blackburn have been up there for the season. I'm not sure how good they really are, but again, it was just a last-minute free kick that otherwise we were looking pretty comfortable for three points. Um Obviously, Blue's performance was terrible, um, but Watford, you know, I'm, personally, I'm taking the positives from the second half. First half, you can probably see as an experiment, and um, hopefully Coburn's learned from that. And the Second half was was very promising, and ultimately they do have some.
1: Would you like to see him stop doing that experiment? He experimented a bit against Sheffield United. He's experimented the last couple of games. Would 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 you like to see him just, you know, we're, we're, given we're in such an important part of the season, just kind of stick to what's almost safe to a degree?
0: Um, in a way, yes, but then I think we can't have too many complaints that he seems to be um, trying to set, set up how we play um, different for depending on who the opponent is. It seems like he's actually doing the research and, and coming up with these game plans. Um, so, and up until the last couple of games, it seems to have largely worked. So I don't think you have too many complaints about it. Obviously I think everyone's got in the head what their, you know, favorite start lineup is and, and I think that's going to be pretty similar for, for most Arwen fans. But, um, yeah, I think you've got to give him a bit of freedom to, to tinker with the squad and, and, you know, small parts of the tactics each game because, well, he's taken us from 24th to, um, you know, challenging for the playoff spot. So
1: do you think he's also coping with an, a mentality that understandably has been built up by the fans over the last 18 months of this is just all going to go wrong? At some point that, you know, because I I, I honestly think two years ago, we thought we were invincible in this division, that we would never finish outside the top six. And now I think 18 months of horror under Ishmael and Bruce has flipped the mindset of the fans so starkly that they, they can't even envisage us actually achieving anything in a championship season.
0: Yeah, it definitely kind of helped. I mean, we have sitting bottom of the league after however many games this season. So, you know, that's never... You're never going to have the most um, optimistic fans after after that start to the season. But, you know, he's taken us taken us to the top half of the table and and looking for those playoff spots. So, um, I think we can have some optimism about that and, and maybe we don't have the pressure of some teams that have kind of been there for the whole season. Um, and... You know, we, we have got quite a good squad. Um, and in certain positions, we've got very, very good players, some of the best in the league. So, I personally, I think there's reasons to be optimistic. And I, I don't think we can, can or should put too much pressure on Cobra and all the players because, um, of the turnaround that he, he has led us to. And, um, yeah, in some of those games, we've looked absolutely fantastic. So, I think there's, Certainly reasons to be positive. The recent form is, you know, a slight concern and the performances as well. But um, I personally think, you know, they'll turn around and, and we'll start looking, looking at some wins again.
1: Well, let's hope that begins against Middlesbrough. On Saturday, um, we will obviously be back after that game. Um, probably recording on uh, on the Sunday, where I've already told Pete that he's going to absolutely have to carry this pod because uh, it's my 40th birthday night out on the Saturday. So I can only apologise in advance to my uh, to to our lovely, wonderful listeners who will have to tolerate probably the most hungover version of me on our next podcast. So uh, apologies in advance, but I'm. Uh, 39 11 months and quite a few days um old at this point and i just can't hack hangovers anymore i really can't it's um they're, they're, they're a whole new level of uh horror that pete as a man in his 20s has no no comprehension of i'm sorry mate you have a no- lot of knowledge on a lot of things but you have no idea what's to come when those hangovers really hit you that's that that's the honest to god truth mate
0: Yeah, I'm definitely not looking forward to finding out.
1: (laughs) But we shall leave it there for today. Don't forget, of course, we are supported by the wonderful Manscape.com, And if you do want some of their fantastic men's grooming products, particularly below the waist men's grooming products that Pete and I have had the joy of sampling and we can say firsthand are absolutely superb get yourself to manscape.com get 20% off get free worldwide shipping all with the discount code up the baggies but until next time thanks for listening and up the baggies by fans.